0: gagged at two girls, one cup. You cringed at two guys, a girl, and a pizza place. Now it's time to get uncomfortable with two nobodies, one podcast. This is here's my
1: movie. Dun Here's My Movie Yep. Hello Welcome to Episode Two of Here's My Movie. I'm Katie.
0: I'm Nate. And we made it beyond episode one. We did. More than just a pilot.
1: It is, it is. Tried, tested. Audience loves it. Thank you to the eighteen View. <laughs> oh. No, you, go,
0: you
1: go. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you to the, you know Friends of ours that have listened already um, We really appreciate it And we'll probably keep doing this anyway Until the end of time Yeah Because we enjoy it so, Even if you don't like it You know You're welcome The 18 people out there uh, So anyway We still haven't got the The theme song recorded
0: um, I'm a bit scared of lawyers to be honest I just think I'm happy with how it is right now. All right. You know when we get super rich from millions of people listening to this? Ah, yeah. Don't even know how you monetize these things. But, hey, when that happens, then we can pay for lawyers and all that stuff. But for now, we're doing it with our mouths, and I'm pretty sure that gets us around Law's name of my sex tape.
1: (laughs) Yeah, so watch yourselves, small electronic music band from Belgium that did the Mortal Kombat theme in the first two iterations of the game and the film and the Mortal Kombat Annihilation, I believe, as well, maybe.
0: And Warner Brothers. Yeah. Which is... Dickheads. In- ...interesting, given what we're <laughs> going to be talking about <laughs> yeah.
1: today. True that. But I, I feel like I just, you know, I need to tick off some agenda items from the first episode, and that is to issue... a. Uh, worldwide apology. Oh. Um, to you actually. To me. Mm. Okay. Um, so I did make the statement that there are no flawless movies.
0: And has it been weighing, weighing on your mind? <laughs> Look, I Heavy haven't. Heavy weighs I, the crown.
1: I don't sleep very well as it is. And I've slept even less since making that statement.
0: Good to know.
1: Yeah. Uh, I know that you personally did not agree with that summation. Um, and it's true, I, there are many examples of flawless films perhaps um, in the eye of the beholder, uh, but I believe that one that I think you could scientifically, categorically say is flawless beyond any changes whatsoever, Kevin Costner's Waterworld.
0: <laughs> I was hoping you were to go somewhere crazy, not where she's going to go. Where's she going to go with this? Yeah, uh, we should actually definitely do an episode on that. I sometime. can't watch it again. I, no, can't, no, I can't. Look, it'll be a two-minute episode <laughs> because, as you've identified, <laughs> flawless. Like, no further commentary required. That still won't stop us from dedicating an episode to it. You know what? I am interested in revisiting it. I'm because, not. Because no, you will love this. I'm no. not sure if you know this. They released an extended version. That's 40 more minutes of a world of water
1: i just what could they have possibly cut out <laughs>
0: the, good, the good bits well, <laughs> uh, um
1: look I, i'm so behind a like a someone pitching to me think mad max but on water yeah that's a good pitch it's amazing like i i love Mad Max so um, it stands to reason that um, you you put that on a on a water world and that has so many amazing possibilities and I I can't even I, I haven't been able to concentrate long enough to understand what I, <laughs> what I would even change to make that better because it, it just bores me senseless like it is almost impossible for me to recall the main <laughs> beats of the story that's fine that's why we're going to watch it again no just, I can't no. I can't do it again I can't <laughs> do it again um, yeah so anyway that, that, that's behind us and we're not doing an episode on that ever so
0: um, mark these words yeah. Episode two.
1: No, I never get my way, so we'll probably do an episode.
0: <laughs> Look, we'll put it bottom of the list, and we'll keep bumping it. How's that sound? Yeah, righto. You know what? Mm. I think it would have been a better movie if it was made today. To be honest,
1: yeah, probably. Just because,
0: like, it's it's topical. It's way more topical today. Like, mm. it starts with the whole thing of the polar ice caps melting, mm. which back then was like pure fantasy. Although it probably wasn't at the time; it just wasn't mainstream. So now. Yeah, absolutely. That kind of—I mean—you couldn't do it now if you went into, you know, Steven Spielberg's office and said, "Let's remake Waterworld." Yeah. I guess that would probably be the last conversation you ever had with him in Hollywood. Uh, I don't think anyone's uh, champing at the bit to make a Waterworld remake.
1: Probably not. Um, and I'd imagine the logistics of doing so, even with amazing technology, and not necessarily doing it all. As practical effects or whatever, like, I think it would still be a massive pain in the ass for <laughs> very little payoff because <laughs> it's got such a poor name behind it. I think it, I actually do think that it, uh, it broke even several decades did later.
0: It? Yeah, it did. They like, had a ride dedicated to it, didn't they? At Universal Studios or something?
1: <laughs> yeah. Because it was meant to be like just earth shattering. And it was I think, meant to be the next Star Wars. Yeah, yeah. Uh, well.
0: I don't know how they expected that, but yeah. So was The Last Airbender, though. I'm that, talking about the Shyamalan version. <sighs> I feel like working Steven Spielberg in, naming my sex take, Shyamalan, has kind of become my thing. And mm. I already hate it. So maybe this will be the last episode that that happens, hopefully. But, but, but
1: the anime series Avatar The Last Airbender is pretty good. No, I've, I've never seen it.
0: Yeah. Um, I've heard amazing things, though.
1: Yeah. You've you watch it all? Oh. No, not all of it. Um, Is it like
0: one of those things? It's like three thousand episodes. And, <laughs> yeah, and from it, it from memory,
1: cuts. it's yeah. From memory, it's there's quite a lot there. But um, I kind of fell out of love with all anime, apart from about a handful of uh, movies that and one or well, two series that I enjoyed in what, the nineties. Um, it became really. Uh, Mass produced. Uh, They got rid of a lot of cell animation and it moved to uh, digital animation um, sort of somewhere around probably, I guess, 2004, maybe. I thought you were going to say it went Um, from
0: cell to in cell animation. (laughs)
1: Yeah. Well, uh, the I mean, and certainly the the fandom is not a place that's nice to play in.
0: Speaking of incels,
1: yeah. Speaking <laughs> of incels, um, but the, the yeah, the the quality of the animation dropped significantly to the point
0: of it being laughable. Yeah. Right. Um, and that's a big deal for you. Presentation. Well,
1: well, well, yeah. It's really hard to enjoy the story when you can literally like there was. Uh, literal mistakes in, in animation, oh, um, that's that, that, you know, where suddenly like you could see like part of a background from the previous scene sort of bleeding through <laughs> things like that, like, because these studios, like a lot of them didn't necessarily, like they, they don't all have like Disney level no. money. Um, but they're still doing, you know, like they're, they're TV production studios and, um, you know they're expected to churn this stuff out when there's a, a popular mango and, and you know they they get that uh, animated into, into a TV series. And there there were so many amazing shows in the in the '90s, and then there was a whole lot of crap ones that really pushed me away. And uh, it, it eventually got to the point where there weren't enough story. The, the stories were either too juvenile or. Um, I guess two sort of like the, the the ones where there was a lot of effort put into the story were kind of all based like robots and Mecha and stuff like that. And I'm you know, I'm a bit past it really. Like I just I, I don't always love those kinds of stories. But I mean, forever in my in my heart I will hold like Neon Genesis Evangelion and that was robots, but, wasn't it? Yeah, but it was more was way more than just robots. Right. Like it was many layers of. Um, I guess existential crises and (laughs) all that kind of thing that was was brought into it. It was a very dark series with amazing characters and also robots. But yeah, it blended it very well. Akira is another one that I'll always love. Ghost in the Shell, um, starring Scarlett Johansson (laughs) as you know a Japanese lady. No, I'm not not even going to get into that. I'm not getting into that. I'm talking about the '90s animation. Ghost in the Shell There was also a couple of anime series Ghost in the Shell anime series And they were quite good as well But they're not really on my core list Cowboy Bebop But that's about to be made into
0: A Netflix show
1: Netflix show Yeah That'll be interesting um, They've made the dog in In that series They've uh, They've changed the type of dog that it was it's it's no longer a corgi so i'm just not fucking interested that's
0: it yeah that detail yeah, out. <laughs> yeah.
1: <laughs> but um yeah so uh the quality sort of dropped for me and i you know it may well have improved but i just don't care to revisit we're sort of in a we've been in a golden age of uh, television for quite a while so it will take significant things to bring me back and you know not that I have nothing against people that are into it, but, you know, there are there's a certain stereotype also attached to it. It's a little bit difficult to be a a white gal anime fan without people sort of <laughs> immediately thinking things about you. Um,
0: what do they think about you?
1: Um, I, well, I mean, I guess this more applies to, to maybe teenagers, um, but there's this sort of... Uh, cultural appropriation thing that goes along with it Um, you know where you know (laughs) I remember in the fandom when I was a kid like when I was like 12 and 13 there'd be many white people um, talking about how they wanted to be Japanese because you know they identified with the culture so deeply and you know visiting Japan I saw you know some you know white folks from gosh knows where no idea. Maybe Australia, maybe the US, perhaps England, don't know. Um, and they were kind of dressed in kimono and, and things like that. And it, it was a little bit cringy because <laughs> the kimono is very, you know, representative of, you know, uh, deep culture and traditions in Japan. So it's, you know, it's kind of weird to, to wear one just.
0: For fun. It looks like so comfy though <laughs> Yeah
1: <laughs> But you know Each to their own I'm just sort of Not interested in Being in that part Of the world I guess
0: Yeah I wanted in- to be uh, Russian in high school Oh yeah Yeah You know like The, the amazingly important Existential dread that you brought up earlier Yeah yeah and I'm sure uh, In a setting That had much bigger stakes Yeah Mine was just some Teenage bullshit Phase where I was like I'm from New Zealand But I live in Australia what is my culture? Oh, really? Yeah, I had a buddy who was Russian. And he was always talking with such pride about Russia and Russian history and stuff like that. And I remember him telling me a story about the reason why uh, you'll see Russian traditional dancers mm. and their arms are, like, out everywhere and their legs are kicking out everywhere mm. is it's, like, apparently symbolic of them having never been occupied, which is why when you go to things like... Oh, Really? According to him, uh, I did not check it, but uh, I always remember it because he was comparing it at the time to Riverdance and stuff like that. You know, Michael Flatley, if my memory serves, the Lord of the Dance. And he was obviously an incredible dancer. But the thing I remember most about those dances when we had to watch them at school was that they always had their arms by their side. And they always had this real dour, like this sucks look on their face despite what their amazing feet were doing with their, yeah, yeah. you know, these amazing tap speeds and, and they big, did big jumps and stuff, but their arms were always by their side. It was like a, a musical dance version of that character from Seinfeld who, you know, doesn't swing her arms when she walks.
1: <laughs> she looks like she's carrying two invisible suitcases. <laughs> <laughs> exactly.
0: And I, I always acknowledge it as weird, but it wasn't until... My Russian buddy explained it and, again, did not fact check it, so feel free to let us know if I got it wrong or he got it wrong um, and I'm perpetuating bad stories. But I was like, that's cool. And to actually you know hear about a country that had a, a history, at least from like a you know, European context, that stretched back a bit further than invasion in Australia or mm-hmm. invasion-ish in New Zealand, um, yeah, was appealing at the time. Yeah, right. But I did not appropriate Russia. Apologies. I don't know if you want me but yeah, I didn't. I'm still a <laughs> still a a, a, mong- a mongrel Oswi, you might say. Oswi. Oswi, yeah. Is another thing? Or is it a key ki- ki- co- co- cocker? A cocker, yeah, that'll do. I'm a cocker with a K. It's what, a what is what is that abbreviating? Kiwioka. Come on. <sighs> it's also got cock in it.
1: Whoops. I know he's got cock in it.
0: No, I don't. (laughs) Oh, dear. There was a Star Wars trailer that came out this week.
1: Yes. So we're going to. Are we discussing that?
0: Absolutely. All right. I didn't just want to say there was a Star Wars trailer this week and then just moving right along. I think we have to, right? Yeah. It's a big deal. It is a big deal. No, I'm a super nerd. Mm hmm. But what. How did it make you feel? I guess is the most important thing for anything Star Wars related, especially a trailer or a teaser. In this instance,
1: I uh, look. I'm a I'm a Star Wars fan, and I I have been for many years. I wouldn't say I go to the uh, super fan levels uh, that you do, but I'm um, I'm I'm most certainly um, looking forward to. Sort of any installment of, of of new star wars stuff when it when it comes out or at least i did um I think episode eight was a was a a little bit of um, um, at least a, a missed mark for many people if not an outright failure um for some i would look i actually i was completely on board with episode eight for the first act and then like it kind of just there was. A, we'll discuss that in a later episode. But there were sort of shortcomings there that um, pulled me right back from the, the the franchise being quote unquote saved from the last films we saw, which were episodes one, two, and three. So, uh, seeing the trailer, I saw a lot of things that I liked. But then again, I did with the episode eight trailer as well. So, I'm I'm going in sceptical, but. I'm going to try my best to remain, uh, open-minded because there are, I mean, I want, uh, Carrie Fisher to be, um, I guess given a, a, a proper rounded ending. Um, yeah, the, the character deserves it. And so does she, um, so I, I'm looking forward to seeing what happens there. I'm looking forward to questions being answered that Seven and Eight have brought about um, that have been alluded to in both of those films, which clearly need an answer. Um, obviously, we'll, we're going to remain a bit spoiler-free with this one, right? Yeah. Yeah.
0: We absolutely should. Yeah. Um, there are definitely... We have friends and there are definitely people out there. I think we, have my... we have friends. We have friends. Yeah, confirmed. <laughs> and that means plural, not friend. Um yeah there's definitely a movement these days towards not watching trailers. Mm. Uh it's a it's a fantasy for me that I like the idea of more than uh, is practical yep. because I get I get too excited. I wanna watch trailers even though I complain about trailers a mm. lot. Um I feel that I wish Hollywood would take the first act challenge. Now anyone listening at home who might not be super familiar with uh, film structure, movies tend to be talked about in terms of three acts, which is really stupid, by the way, it should be four acts because the first and the third act are the same length-ish, and then combine those two durations and you get the second act in terms of length, Hmm. but the second act is cut in half by a midpoint where something big happens, which tells me four acts. Anyways, the problem is the first act is setting everything up and then you get your, your call to journey or whatever it is. Yep. Things start happening and then at the end of the first act is when something big happens that kind of f- throws them on this journey. Or well, Sorry, they have to choose to go on this journey if they're an active hero, which they should be. And then what you get afterwards, I would consider to be you're really kind of entering spoiler territory. Yeah. So I wish the trailers would just take the challenge... Of focusing on the first act. You're never going to get that. I think the bigger problem comes when they blatantly take stuff from the third act or something that we'll mention in the movie that we're doing in this thing later on um, is they take it even from right at the end or even from the stingers mm-hmm. and they try to turn that into a trailer. They take something that's kind of a moment that's small, that's bite size. But I'm thinking of Star Trek Beyond which wasn't a very memorable Star Trek movie. Um, It was okay, but they have this big moment towards the end and go and pause it here and go watch it if you haven't, where there's a (laughs) callback to JJ's rebirth of the Star Trek franchise with a particular song choice that plays out over an action sequence, but it's actually the characters in the movie playing that song as well. So it's a little fourth wall breaky. It's a great joke, but it's also an effective thing for the action and they straight out sold that moment out in a trailer. Worse than that, they sell out the twist yeah. about the main villain in one of the trailers. Just they sell, it out, they sell it out in a way that treats it as if you get that information at the beginning of the, the story. Because it feels like something where you're like, oh, okay, so they're going to say that at the beginning. Mm-hmm. And then we're going to go explore the why of that. And it's like, no, 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 that's actually a twist. And you feel sorry for these movie makers. I mean, in that instance, Simon Pegg, who stars as Scotty in uh, the recent Star Trek movies, he actually wrote or co-wrote Star Trek Beyond. Right. And, you know, people were talking to him about how do you feel about these trailers. And, you know, you don't want to badmouth a movie that you're in that you're promoting. especially certainly one that you're invested in and more as, as more than just an actor. Like, you're a writer as well. Mm-hmm. Possibly a producer. I'm not sure. But you get... Sold out by these marketing people mm. who take your product and, in an effort to try to sell it to as many people as possible to make as much money as possible, they're actually compromising the story. Yeah. Can you imagine a Sixth Sense trailer that is like the voiceover guy going, "Bruce Willis is dead," and and then the trailer plays out like <laughs> you, you can't, and yeah. and that would be considered to be unforgivable. And oh like, yeah. I've had lots of debates with people about. You know, spoilers and how long you know, how long a period of time is okay and acceptable before you can give up a spoiler. Mm. And I'm pretty strict without spoiler tags and things like we talk about it. If it's not necessary, don't give a spoiler away, even if the movie's a hundred years old. Like if you don't have to give a reveal away, don't do it. No. And
1: uh, there's also the problem that I've seen that seems to be a more recent thing, maybe, or perhaps I just haven't paid enough attention, but uh, there are so many instances lately of trailers that have footage in it that's being cut from the film. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) And uh, I know that that is a product of perhaps the the final cut not being finalised before promotional trailers need to be made and all that kind of thing, but it doesn't really speak... Amazing volumes for the film. If what has been decided to be the enticing, engaging bits of the film to get people to want to know more are cut, <laughs> what on yeah. earth was left <laughs> again, like the water world thing, like uh, the the Holmes and I don't know why we watched this, but we did. Um, the Holmes and Watson film that w- with uh, uh Will Ferrell, the, the trailer was funnier than the movie, but. I think there were two pretty epic-looking scenes in the trailer that didn't make it to the
0: final film. A couple of gags and stuff like that.
1: Yeah. um, So, that... It's a a little strange to me when that happens because you think that you would put things in there that are absolutely unmissable in the film because you want to see how something plays out or how that's built on or how it fits into the story or whatever's going on there. So... You know, it it's it's baffling to me that <laughs> that you don't then see it in the
0: film. Can you hear instances of um, people, including stuff in trailers, that they've shot purpose for a trailer or for a teaser that they had no intention of putting into a movie. Mm. I also notice um, alternative takes on different things, like the the way that someone delivers a line is different in a trailer than it is in the movie. Yeah, and. And it's sometimes you go into the movie and the take is worse. or yeah. well, not worse, but, like, comparatively, you're like, I was so much better in the trailer. I mean, it's not the best example because it's, it's divisive, but Indiana Jones and the Kingdom of the Crystal Skull, there's one of the trailers that has one of the better lines in the movies um, where Shia LaBeouf, there's a fight scene, Shia LaBeouf says to Indy, I thought you were a professor, <laughs> and Indy says, part-time. But the way that he says it in the trailer... Was, was just like burnt into my brain, and so when that bit's coming up, I'm like, I know it's happening. I know this line's coming, and he said it in a quote-unquote different way. I'm like, oh, that just felt flatter. Like yeah. that that delivery felt flatter for me. But obviously, Steven Spielberg, far be it for me to disagree with him, didn't think so. Hmm. Um, and you wonder how, when you get up to that echelon of Spielberg level, whether they actually have say over what does and doesn't go into their their own movies. I think certainly. George Lucas probably would have had say over Star Wars movies, being on Star Wars, like if he funded it himself, yeah. he would have been able to put whatever he wanted in the trailers. And, that, and also every Star Wars movie I think to date has had excellent trailers. Yeah, Phantom Menace had excellent trailers, you know, Attack of the Clones, you name it. And, and it just goes back to that idea of unless you have a turd of a movie, mm. it's really not that hard to take two minutes and make something either enticing or seem funny or seem like it's got massive action sequences everywhere or something like that. It's really not hard to take two minutes of quality content to paint a picture that might want to make someone part with money to go and see a movie at the cinema. Mm. For me, with um, The Rise of Skywalker, the most exciting thing about that trailer, without even revealing details, is the title. Like, that title is super enticing and rich and and rich with possibilities of what it might mean are we which are we talking about a specific skywalker are we talking about the rise of you know ben solo who's still a skywalker who's now kylo ren Is he is he rising so is it a bad guy thing or is it is someone rising from the dead is luke skywalker coming back from the dead or is a popular theory on the internet at the moment is, you know, is Skywalker the new name of the Jedi Order given what happened in the events of episode eight and kind of the Jedi Order seems to have been done and dusted now? Like, is that Rey's new name? So whether her lineage is whatever it might work out to be, she can actually call herself a Skywalker if that's a new movement thing. Like, that title is like a very loaded title but it's also like it's very rich and dense um, I think The Last Jedi was a good title as well The Force Awakens was a bit meh you know well like, it's, a, it's kind of a it's kind
1: of saying nothing and everything
0: it's not it's not teasing anything whereas <laughs> yeah. The Rise of Skywalker to me is just like that. that is the most exciting part about the teaser the revelation of the title right at the end is to go oh wow that's, that's a hell of a title because you know yeah, the return of hope, or end of an era, or like all of these kind of cliche, full stoppy things that mm. you would expect, um, didn't go with. And they've gone for something that that is yeah is, is quite big.
1: And 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 bringing back words that are loaded in the in the Star Wars universe, like hope or empire or you know things like that. They, I, I think they're sort of they're easy wins. Um, so it's good to see that they've, I guess, tried to create something uh, completely new and enticing. It, it feels a little long
0: to me. Um, it doesn't need the in there, for starters. Like, just from a very simple standpoint. Just from
1: a copywriting standpoint. Yeah, yeah.
0: it's like you can yeah. lose a word there, man. Lose that.
1: Mm, yeah, so... But, you know, just being ultra picky at this point, it, it's a it, it's a Star Wars core canon story, so... I'll be at the midnight screening. I'm sure you will be too. I'll see you there. I'll see you there. But, um, it's, uh, yeah, it's something that I'm always going to see to see how everything, uh, plays out. But as a star Wars fan, you know, I think that many of us feel a little burnt, um, by things that have preceded this film so uh it, it, I, it makes sense for many to be gun shy i think and but i'm probably not gun shy for the same reasons as <laughs> the internet commentary that you know we've come across about you know the star wars franchise falling victim to feminism and and things like that like i think those are uh you know, kind of strange arguments for something that had a strong female character from the seventies onwards. So, yeah. It's, uh, it's baseless. yeah, it's, it's a little baseless there, but yeah, look, I, I think there's, there's just endless possibilities with the universe that's been created. So I'm always up for finding out what's next.
0: I find for me, what's most exciting about star Wars will come after episode nine Um, Because uh, unless they've secretly cancelled it, um, love him or hate him, Ryan Johnson is commissioned to do a trilogy, and he's doing it outside of this core episodic structure. Mm -hmm. Uh, The Game of Thrones creator, or not creators, the showrunners, I should say, Mm -hmm. whose names elude me, despite the fact the show is back. uh, They are doing their own trilogy as well. So we've got two trilogies in the works, Mm -hmm. as well as a TV show called The Mandalorian, which is going to the Disney streaming platform, which... I don't know if it will hit Australia, but it's certainly launching in the States, I believe, later this year. Uh, so we've got some Star Wars stories that are coming that I want to watch Like stories that aren't part of the main thrust of the episodes because I think that's where attachment comes in, right? Mm. Rogue One is not a perfect movie. No. But it's a goddamn entertaining one. It's entirely optional in terms of the, the grander, you know, nine episodes. Yeah, But... It's good, and it shows that despite the premise of like addressing a very minor plot hole mm. in A New Hope, which was like, why did the Empire design something that had such an obvious flaw? And it's basically a movie dedicated to that, um, and also showing us something from the opening crawl that it was something along the lines of the Rebellion has just won its first major victory against the Empire. So we get to see that. It's cool. It's it's total fan service. But it also shows that there are different characters that we can get attached to, different stories to tell, and that the Star Wars universe is so much more richer than just the Skywalkers. Yeah. yeah. Now, in saying that, the Skywalkers, if you're going to resurrect them for mm. 7, 8, and 9, you're going to resurrect this core storyline, you've got to finish it, and you've got to finish it in a way that I think is agreeably satisfying to... The majority of fans. It's not to say that you need to pander or anything like that. But, you know, there are certain expectations that might be as simple as, you know, Han, Leia, and Luke in the same room. And we didn't get to see that. Like, we how did we not get to see that in 7? Like, that just seems like a massive oversight to me. Just little things like that that could have ticked boxes and then they could have gone and done whatever they wanted. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Um, and, yeah, the, I've ranted about it before, but democratisation of the Force is terrible. And it's terrible because it could have come after 7, 8, and 9. Uh, and it should have come after 7, 8, and 9 because then the Skywalker story has had its full stop
1: mm-hmm.
0: and we're moving on to different stories and whatever. And we know from episodes 1, 2, and 3 that Star Wars sells. That's yeah, why yeah. Disney bought it. They know that The Phantom Menace was is one of the most derided and then arguably, depending on who you talk to, some people hate Attack of the Clones more than... Phantom Menace, and I think that's lunacy, personally. And, I mean, you're, you're still comparing two chunks of shit, so who <laughs> cares? I'm not going to die on the hill of Attack of the Clones is better than The Phantom Menace. But I'm also, like, I think they got better, slightly better in quality as it went along, even yeah. if it was just to have less charger. Uh, but they were still massive successes. They were, you know, $100, $115 million movies or 120 whatever they were at the time. Uh, Phantom Menace made a billion... And I'm pretty sure the next two made $800 million each. And then there was all the merch and stuff. So Disney knew they weren't just buying uh, something that had a reputation for consistent quality. Mm. They were buying something where they could make a turd and it would still make them a profit. Yeah. And I don't think they've made a turd yet. But um, they've certainly made some missteps. And it's good to hear that they've kind of learnt from that. It sounds like we're not getting another Star Wars movie for a while. mm uh, after episode 9 And whether that's a year break or whatever It doesn't matter Like what needs to happen And what should have been happening all along Even if you want to release 1, 2 If you want to release 10 Star Wars movies a year I don't care Just get your script right <laughs> And then go and shoot your movie Or get your people on the same page About where the thrust of it's going And plan it like Marvel does You know plan it 10, 20 years in advance However far However loose those plans I mean, if Lucas had three years between four, five, six, one, two, three, and he still turned out a few turds in that time, Um, but why are we two years between? We don't need it. And I love the idea of a Star Wars movie a year because I'm a Star Wars nerd, but I'm also learning that the, the kind of the emotional reaction that you get to Star Wars movies now it compounds with all of the negatives we've had in the past. The disappointment of Phantom Menace leads into the disappointment of Attack of the Clones leads into the, even though it was the best of the prequels, the, the related disappointments of Revenge of the Sith. And that stacks up and looms large when you get disappointed with, well, I got disappointed with The Last Jedi, right? Like mm. you just, all of this other stuff comes back. It's, a, it's something that transcends generations. It's something that I can have in common with my parents. My parents watch Star Wars. I watched Star Wars. They watch Star Wars, even though they don't really watch movies anymore. Uh, not certainly not in the way that I do. Like this is a cultural touchstone, and the, the people are going to care about it. Yeah. So, I hope whatever they're doing, and it sounds like JJ is being way too ambitious. If you read the behind-the-scenes stuff, he mm-hmm. he doesn't just want to put a full stop on a new trilogy; he wants to put a full stop on a saga. So that's nine movies, and so that's what introducing and, and closing off some things or having callbacks to episodes 1, 2, and 3 as well as 4, 5, and 6, and then 7, 8 and answering questions that were set up across all of them, like, whoa. It's a massive responsibility and assumedly he won't get a 3, 4-hour run time to do it with.
1: Well, no, unless, uh, well, I, I guess by now we would have learned if it was going to be episode nine, part one, and episode nine, part two. Oh, man, don't even joke about that. <laughs> <laughs> um, like they did with the last Harry Potter film and
0: what was that? Hunger Games? Did they do it with Hunger Games?
1: Yeah, they did it with Hunger Games and uh, that other pile of shit, what was it, uh, with the vampires, Twilight. Oh. Yeah, Even yeah. despite the source material just being like, Four stapled pages with crayon and, oh, and the Hobbit, I food guess. stains That's on it. It's a good it. argument yeah. for that,
0: right? Yeah, yeah. Maybe, yeah. maybe that of one.
1: Well, the Hobbit was just the the world's most amazing cash grab to uh, to actually take the shortest book <laughs> and make it into three films, totaling what twelve hours. Um, yeah, no, I'm not a big fan of the the Hobbit franchise and film franchise to be honest with you. No, it's bad. Um, um, but yeah, the, the, the trailers, it does not indicate much in the way of what stories it's going to tie up. Um, if anything, it poses more questions, which is quite intriguing. Um, it's a good teaser. It is a good teaser.
0: Yeah. With the exception of, and I'm not going to go into details again, but the last, the final shot and the audio associated with that shot, uh, that's, a, that's more than a tease. That's just like, feels like spoiler territory that they've kind of shoehorned in at the end to have just this massive, massive moment. Um, yeah. And as much as the nerd in me loves seeing that there, I'm also like, ah, oh, it feels like something that would have been better to experience for the first time at the cinema.
1: Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, but uh, should we talk about Shazam?
0: That, that is the one we're talking about today. Shazam. Yeah.
1: So uh, that is DC's latest foray uh, into their cinematic universe. We're not going to waste time this time uh, giving you a synopsis. Um, it's a superhero film. There's been many trailers already. We're sure you're pretty familiar with it by this stage, if, you, if you've not seen it already. I'll do a brief one. All right. Well, so, uh, and the
0: simplest of simple... Uh, Young orphan uh, gets superpowers. Super, secret magic word, if you're familiar with this, Super Ted, it's basically Super Ted as a comic book movie. And if you're not familiar with Super Ted, I feel sorry for your childhood. And my childhood was pretty devoid of most amazing movies, I find out more and more in later years. But uh, yeah, that's the basic premise.
1: <laughs> yeah, so uh, it uh, very, in terms of the the DC array of characters uh he shazam's probably the most family friendly one or one of um on paper on paper yeah uh you know very much a sort of saturday morning cartoon kind of character uh i believe there was a a weekend or saturday saturday morning sort of series or cartoon surrounded by this character in the 70s he
0: wasn't on my radar at all
1: no um and you know it's sort of got that Happy, friendly family kind of feel uh, all through all throughout the film, um, and you know, for for a DC film, that's a a refreshing change for some, I think, because they're known for their their darkness and dreary kind of universe. I mean, you've got Gotham, and you know, Metropolis, even to some degree, is quite dark. Under Uh, Zack
0: Snyder's vision, yeah.
1: Yeah. um, So these are settings that really don't lend themselves to the, you know, hey, kids, I'm a superhero and I'm a super guy, you know, kind of feel. Uh, Even Wonder Woman uh, definitely had its dark moments, both, you know, cinematically and and through her her comic life. So, um, yeah, I mean i wasn't really sure what to expect, like you I wasn't very familiar with the the character so yeah it was uh it was good to go in a little blind though I did see the trailer um it looked quite funny it looked quite light hearted um so imagine my surprise when I learned that the uh the director um is the also the director of Annabelle creation. Uh, so he's uh, he's a horror guy, really. David F. Sandberg. Yeah, that's right. I was just going to say Sandberg, but that felt a little overly familiar.
0: <laughs> um, but, you might know him. They don't know that.
1: <laughs> um, not to be confused with Andy Sandberg.
0: Which also would have been an appropriate choice if yeah. he was a director, given the tone.
1: Yeah, yeah. Uh, but yeah, so so he's kind of gone from, uh, you know, Annabelle creation to Shazam, which is a weird flex, but okay. It makes a lot of sense um,
0: to me now. I mean, I've, I've only just learned, uh, just before we started recording, that that was, I'm assuming the movie that got him on the radar to get something tentpole, right? Because yeah. the movie... Despite the setup, despite what you see in the trailers, uh, despite the kind of film it feels like it should be, which is this light-hearted coming-of-age story with a superhero element, um, it's when you first get to the like the opening scene, and it's kind of like a bit of a setup for the villain, and you get to see the f- like kind of the forces you're going to be dealing with, the threats you're going to be dealing with. Yeah, it's it's already quite dark. Mm. And uh, it's the Seven Deadly Sins, I guess, as some sort of, perhaps not religious form, but some Shazam comic bookified form, kind of like what you know Marvel did with Thor and I'm sure DC did with some other thing where they, you know, they got lazy and they're just like, yeah, we're just going to make Thor a superhero. And uh, yeah, he's from Asgard. And uh, we're just going to pillage Norse mythology yeah. and then just claim him as our own, put a trademark on him. But... So when they set that up, initially, I'm like, there is no way that they can make the seven deadly sins light. Mm. Uh, And it's kind of going to feel like it's going to contrast. And there's only, to their credit, little moments more than anything of darkness. But there's one particular scene in a boardroom uh, where the villain confronts his dad and his brother, and it feels like something that probably should be in a horror movie. Yeah. Uh, it's not particularly gratuitous. No. Although it's not particularly not gratuitous at the beginning. Uh, there is, you know, heads being bitten off and corpses tossed out windows and things like that. But it's just this, like, they they set themselves up um, in, in this movie that is, for the most part that kind of idea you talked about, this family-friendly thing that you would take your kid to. I I describe it as um, DC's Deadpool. But DC's Deadpool with, like, an organic sort of PG-M rating or whatever it is, where it's actually, like, it doesn't need the swears and nods to the camera literally for it to be that kind of fourth wall breaking where we've got our tongue firmly in our cheek taking the piss out of this current trajectory of superhero movies and the obsession with them, and it's it's kind of the right time to drop it as well. Despite what Deadpool has done with its amazing, you know, piss take of uh, superhero movies, mm. this was just a, a lot of fun for the most part. But quite jarring when you go, oh, that's right, we're going, we're going back into the wizard's chamber, and I guess this is going to be this dark, moody, ominous. Feels out of place. I don't think that those things ever gelled for me.
1: No, it it, it, it reeks to me of a film that didn't quite hit its stride in terms of tone. Um I still enjoyed it. Absolutely. Um it's certainly not a film that I was like waiting there going oh my god, like when is this going to wrap up because I'm bored. Like it keeps you entertained thoroughly. Um but for me the the tone was way off. It it it, it danced dangerously close to being a superhero parody. Yeah. before before ta- like changing tone completely into something that was you know i guess the kind of darkness that you might expect from other characters in the DC universe before pulling you right back out again into like a teen you know almost teen soap opera kind of drama then, back into parody, you know, and the laughs were genuinely funny, like there were a lot of funny moments in the film um, but for for me, in terms of you know here's my movie is I, the number one thing I would change, which I think would perhaps help with the tonality a little more a little as well, is that. Shazam the superhero is, you know, as we've explained, and, you know, this should be obvious by now, but warning, spoilers, but he is, you know, a 14, 15-year-old kid uh, who's been, who's inherited the powers of a of an ancient wizard called Shazam. Um, Which is an acronym.
0: Yeah, right. And what does it say? Do you know what it stands for? No, is it like shaman something? It's uh, qualities of. So the first one is the strength of Hercules. And H is the
1: Hercules strength. <clears throat> no,
0: no, no, yeah, strength of Hercules, the Her- the Hercules strength, <laughs> the the abs of Arnold Schwarzenegger, <laughs> the the Z of Z Town. Oh, that's a bad reference. Oh, come
1: on, man, why would you? The bring A that of up? an
0: Adam's apple. and the M of mm, yeah, no, <laughs> it's something. It's actually something like that because. If I recall correctly, the history is that Shazam used to be called Captain Marvel. Like, legit, DC had a character called Captain Marvel. Right. And then they had a conversation. Yeah, yeah. Where they're like, hey, 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 guys, Batman's pretty cool. And, um, oh, by the way, would it be cool if maybe we took the Captain Marvel name? Because we're called Marvel and you're kind of promoting us implicitly with the name of one of your characters. And they're like, yeah, fuck that. You can have Captain Marvel. And Captain Marvel is obviously... Captain Marvel. Uh, Captain Marvel in the yeah. Marvel universe, and nobody's questioning that, despite the fact it is weird that mm. a company's called Marvel and they have a Captain Marvel. It'd be like, if DC had General DC, they probably do, my God. And if they don't, that was not a pitch. Uh, <laughs> yeah, so they renamed him, and they renamed him Shazam.
1: <laughs> yeah, I don't know, man. It, it, it's a little hokey. Like, all I think of is Beyonce and Austin Powers going... <laughs> Shazam! Or, I'm yeah. Foxy Cleopatra. Like, that's what I that's what I, um, I associate with the word Shazam. And then if I go a little left of centre and think of the word Kazam, I think of Shaquille O'Neal as a genie in the movie Kazam. where Never he saw plays, it. Where he plays a genie. Was it amazing? No. No, uh. no, no, no. It was as good as Shaq Fu, the fighting game on SNES, Starring Shaquille O'Neal. That was no good. No, it, for the completely the wrong reasons. It was amazing.
0: Right. Yeah. But basketballers to movies can work. Space Jam.
1: Yeah. <coughs> yes. Um. And yeah, uh, LeBron James will be
0: Space Jam Two. Right.
1: Space Jam Two, yeah. assuming the role of Michael Jordan, being that he is the amazing all star of today. So. Yeah, I, I'm looking forward to that. I, I am looking forward to that, to be honest.
0: I actually want to go back and watch Space Jam. Yeah. Because I remember it fondly as a kid. I've, I've been creating a list recently of movies that I was allowed to watch as a kid or movies that I saw as a kid, mm. whenever. Because um, we had quite a strict upbringing when it came to certain movies that we were and weren't allowed to watch. It was not allowed to watch anything that had swearing or too much swearing. We're not allowed to watch anything that had... Um, too much or no nudity no sex scenes or anything like that yep and if it was quote unquote too evil uh, we were never allowed to watch Indiana Jones and the Temple of Doom for instance which is this grand grand sad story of my life because not that I got to miss it growing up but because we watched so much of Raiders and so much of Last Crusade that when I got old enough that I was like Fuck you, Mum and Dad! I can watch whatever I want. Mm. Watch Temple of Doom, and it was just—it was the worst.
1: Yeah, it's not—it's not the best, but it's a lot of people know that as the the quintessential Indiana Jones film. So, Some people
0: love it. Yeah. Some people—it's their favourite. I mean, yeah. they're wrong. They're clearly wrong. Yeah, I will entertain the debate between Raiders and Last Crusade because Last Crusade inches out Raiders for me, but that's purely because. That was the one that we ended up watching the most, and that was the one that I remember watching first because it came out in '89. I think I was five at the time. '89 at the cinemas, and so maybe a year later it came out on TV, which is when you used to how we used to watch movies. And that was um, when I was six, so that was the first indie I remember watching. Here's my movie. Would like to tell you all about Listerine's exciting move into the ocular moisture space. Listerine eye drops provide a cool burn that's guaranteed to get you moving through your day. Out of the way world, I'm blinded by minty fresh success.
1: Yeah, so for me, the thing that I'd change with Shazam is that, you know, we've got 14, 15-year-old boy and he transforms into this Adonis-like grown 30 plus year old man who is a superhero with all these powers that are hilariously sort of discovered as he goes, like with his, with his friend, who's also, you know, a foster kid like him and is being welcomed into like a, a group home kind of situation. But they have a, you know, a a friendship, um, and he helps him discover the powers that he now has, you know, he's gone from being a, you know, teenage loner you know like where his you know he's been abandoned by you know or or let down by the adults in his life you know he's a bit of a a rebel kind of a kid and his main mission in life is to reconnect with his biological mother um, yeah. but he's you know going from foster home to foster home and all the rest of it and is considered delinquent and all that kind of thing um so as a result that 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 14 15 year old boy is c- quite sullen he's quite withdrawn he's uh, melancholic in his demeanor. you know part of his character building is that you see him make noble decisions and you see him protect the weak and you, you can see he is a, a, a good kid and a, and a you know a, a special kid like he's pure of heart pure of heart is the
0: pitch of why he's picked above everyone yeah else, right? yeah
1: that's right so you and all of that stuff comes through but generally you know like a lot of teenagers and probably like i was as a kid like he's kind of a melancholic shitty demeanor especially around adults like retreats to his room isn't all that responsive to the wide open arms of his new foster family is you know, even gives his new friend a lot of shit as well. Um, like Buck's authority constantly, you know, with a personality to match. And then he transforms into this superhero that is a completely different personality. It's like, so? it's like two different people to me. He's funny and jokey and has all these cool, you know, exaggerated f- comical facial expressions and reactions and, Jovial gestures and a big booming voice, and it, it like if he didn't constantly reference himself as the kid, you know, it, it would it would be completely plausible that they're two different characters. In my opinion, like they do not, there there is no sort of period of transition. Like it, it goes beyond, you know, a generally sullen kid is surprised and delighted by new powers like that. I can understand, but that delight and carefree, jovial, happy demeanor carries through for pretty much everything that the Shazam superhero character does. Um, And it's a real, it's, it's a, it's a weird situation for me. It, It feels inauthentic and, uh, and, and it's, it's difficult to, it's not difficult to follow the film. Like it's really, you know, I mean, it's pretty frigging simple, but, um, but for me, the, it's a weird oversight for me because I would have thought that, you know, there's growing pains associated with becoming the superhero, which are explored like, Oh my God, I've got all these new powers, you know, I've, I've got the power to help, those that are in trouble, um, I'm suddenly a grown man, you know. But even there's, there's a scene where he goes to a convenience store and, you know, they're going to buy beer um, because he obviously looks like a, an adult when he's a superhero. Um, you know, and this scene's like, oh, I'll have a six pack of your finest beer, please. Like that. And it's sort of done in this re- like, the, the kid character would never say it like that. Like there was no, I guess there was no callback to how this kid acted day to day in the moments that weren't, you know, abject surprise that, oh my God, I can, I'm super strong. Oh, I can fly. I can do this. Like, obviously those moments would cause any kid to go, oh, that's amazing. But the bits in between still had that enthusiasm that I didn't think the kid would have.
0: So how would you change it? Well, I'd, I'd
1: make him more of a, you know, just like he is as a kid, like more of a bit of an unwilling hero. Like he jumps in with both feet, and I just don't think that he would be like that if he if the character is like the kid, Billy, like Billy is the kid's name, but like if, he, if Billy the superhero was like Billy the juvenile, like I'd, he's not going to be this like, hey, kids, like I'm your neighborhood superhero guy. Like, that's not him at all to me.
0: You wouldn't switch it the other way around? Make the kid more jovial, upbeat, no matter how much he gets knocked down, you know, be kind of unrealistically positive outlook on the world?
1: Look, I I don't think that's DC's way. (laughs) No. Um, This
0: is your way, though.
1: It is, it. yeah. um, I don't think that's DC's way, and I don't think that a kid with that many knockdowns has, you know, the, I guess, the emotional scope to, you know, put on a happy face constantly.
0: But he was still like an, for me, he was still an unwilling hero. Like he was literally getting out of school to be in superhero form to A, test his powers to start with, which was fun. But then later on, he was trying to make money off shooting lightning into the sky and cause that bus to crash and then had to save it but didn't really want to save it and it was only when the, the villain kind of turned up to punch him in the face and he was still just trying to get away from him He was just trying to run mm. i think that was the kind of through line they set up for him was that he's always running away from stuff and now that he's got these superpowers he's still just using them at a, like a five percent level how can i make money out of it he's just looking out for himself type thing even yeah. though he's still got a good heart
1: I mean, but they're motivations, not personality. Like, I think that his personality didn't match between kid him and adult him, despite the fact that we're meant to buy that he's still a kid. He's just got a superpower that changes him into an adult-looking, like, grown
0: man. Would that make it less funny, though?
1: Well, probably, but it still seems like an an oversight to me, and I think you could still have you could still make jokes out of it, you know. Um, but yeah, for, I mean that that sort of that really jarred me for the for the whole film, and I think that um, as did the way that it teetered on parody, um, then completely switched up to have sort of uh, like you mentioned before, like a few horrific moments where you sort of look back on it and you go, oh, my God, like the villain in this film just quite literally killed about 15 humans.
0: Oh, yeah, he's a, he's a bad guy.
1: Yeah, like – and and obviously there's no – like it, it still has a, you know, a, a family applicable rating, so it's not like you see gore or tons of blood or heads exploding or anything like that. But, like, people are thrown to their death and people are, you know – Uh, eaten by gargoyles and you know stuff like that that's just not funny or parody in 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 any way and like not everything has to be funny but the um the extremes of tone that it took uh were were a little difficult and um i would have liked to see like just like making the character not as like you know blam kapow Billy West as Batman kind of camp like zing you know, boof kind of superhero would have probably helped a little with uh, evening the tone out a little bit, like if he still carried you know, some darkness so um, you know, and the villain's a very tortured individual that is hell-bent on 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 using the the powers that he has and and you know his position in the world he's a wealthy guy he's a doctor um all the rest of it like he's hell bent on using those privileges in life for evil um and you know clearly despite the the poor start that he's had you know the superhero Shazam is not not going to take that path um but yeah f- for me it was it it was very enjoyable and i think it it's well worth watching but it's 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 quite all over the place for me and i thought that even the 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 way that the the flashbacks and stuff are structured um i found myself sort of jumping to and from adult child young child you know versions of of many of of the two main characters far too often like it it just it it felt like it was really jumbled in places where you're just like oh hang on a minute oh wait that's the young kid villain all right like and um yeah it kind of brought me out of the the spectacle that i guess we've come to expect from uh, superhero cinema so what would you rate it out of
0: captain marvels out of five
1: Look, it's still three and a half for yeah. me. It's, it's not a, not a bad movie. I mean, gosh, there's plenty of there's plenty of poor movies out there, and I wouldn't say this is one. I was still entertained, um, but it kind of felt like when you look at how slick Deadpool is, and I know that they've got all the adult stuff in there as well, and violence and and all that stuff that this this one didn't take, but. In terms of structure, that film is very sleek with characters that are very well-rounded, and it didn't feel as smooth, Shazam.
0: They had a lot of characters to deal with, didn't they? Mm. I mean, just within the, the foster home, you've got a mum and dad, you've got four, five, I want yeah. to say, five kids who you've kind of got to introduce in different ways. Obviously, there was the best bud, Overtalker kid, who was really entertaining, I thought. Mm. Because I didn't realise he was one of the kids from It. Yeah, yeah. And he was the annoying screaming one, I, I'm pretty sure, mm. who I did not like at all in that movie. I was just like, I'll oh, just, just kill him already. Like, oh, he's so annoying. But in this, he it's good to see that he hasn't been typecast, I guess, at such a young age. But uh, he was really entertaining in a lot of ways, the, the heart of the movie, this yeah. little, like, go-getter. But you could also see that he was also kind of annoying and full-on and, like... The super obvious on the nose moral tale for Billy. So I understood why, like, when Billy didn't want to do the stuff that this kid wanted to do, I wasn't like, oh, come on, Billy, that's bad. I was like, yeah, fuck that guy. <laughs> yeah. He's just kind of a prick. Like, just fuck off, man. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I think listening to you talk, I definitely see that um, they went for a few too many tones that they didn't stick the landing with. Yeah. So you got the horror tone. Which is weird because that's what the movie opens up with. Despite the trailers, the poster, like the bubble gum blowing superhero guy who's basically, it's like big, the movie with Tom Hanks, but with superpowers. And that's what it is for the most part. Um, So you've got horror and then you've got comedy, Mm. both the organic kind. And then you've, I'm going to cheat a little here and give a half point to something like Fourth Wall Breaking, like parody, like you said. So there's a satire. Unlike Deadpool minus the looks to camera sort of stuff. But they're obviously taking the piss. There's that and I mean I laugh my ass off it, uh, ass off at it. But at the end of the movie when, you know, Mark Strong, the villain, is having his big evil speech and they're too far away, they're in the sky, and Shazam's like, What what are you saying? I can't yeah. are you doing your big speech now? And it's just like a cool way to show that they're like, <clears throat> We're having fun.
1: That was great. That was a great scene, and um, I guess that that sort of spoke more to the Billy smart smartassery that
0: I perhaps would have expected. Um, yeah. So, what, you you thought Billy was a smartass, or you didn't think that he would kind of earned that?
1: No, no, I think he was. Like, I mean, it, it, it adds to his like rebel slash defiance yeah. kind of. I'm not going personality to play by your streak. Rules. Yeah. yeah, yeah.
0: I know what I'm expected to do. I'm not going to do it. Yeah, yeah. Okay. So for me, <clears throat> the, my interpretation of. Shazam the version of Billy whoa, we're getting deep here was that he um always felt like he had a bum rap you know like yeah. he, he he's kind of got a bit of a chip on his shoulder and a very understandable chip on his shoulder yeah. because of the lot that he's being dealt in life particularly when you get towards the end and the revelation of what happened with his mum, and that she actually abandoned him and didn't just go missing under mysterious circumstances or whatever. And you kind of suspect that, but it's still sad to have it, you know, confirmed. Mm-hmm. Um, so you understand why he's withdrawn and all those sort of traits you identified. But I found that Shazam was just this way for him to almost like, cause he's always running. Shazam was for a way for him to be, the Billy that he wanted to be in every sense of the word. Yeah. Like he's got, it's like, nobody's going to know it's you. Yeah. You don't look like you, you can run as fast as you want. You can learn to fly. You've got superpowers. Nobody Mm. can, nobody can hurt you physically except for the the bad guy, which makes sense because otherwise it would be no contest. Mm. Um, So I I kind of found that whenever he was in Shazam, he was allowed to have that kind of fun that they almost teased at, Because with his his sense of humor and stuff And he's kind of just like A bit dour and negative and down on people And it's like he's got an opportunity now to be whoever He wants to be and who he wants to be is fun Mm -hmm. Uh, I agree with you that like it doesn't Necessarily gel and that's me definitely uh, Going out of My way to bridge That kind of potential
1: Yeah like in your doing that it's not No, No it wasn't in the movie Yeah,
0: Yeah there wasn't a line or Something where he said that that's me making sense of it how I was the one thing that did stick out to me and now I'm I'm realizing that like you were right about the the um the acronym stuff and I got it backwards it was uh the the name of the ancient uh, being the god was mm. the letter so I, I just forgot it again anyways but Zed was for instance the I believe it was no it was the wisdom of Solomon Was the first one The speed of Odonis And the the beard of Zeus Didn't have a beard Something Whatever Zeus does well The lightning of Zeus Blah 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 But there was one of them The wisdom of Solomon Was the one that stuck out to me Because whenever he became Shazam His powers weren't supposed to be Just physical manifestations Of what we understand These gods' abilities to be He was supposed to have wisdom And even though he was learning These powers He didn't really seem to be wise At all and then suddenly, towards the end, there was this moment of wisdom. Mm. Uh, and that was when he conned that last uh, deadly sin out of the bad guy.
1: <clears throat> yeah.
0: Um, which was actually really clever. Yeah. But before that, there wasn't really that much evidence of any sort of wisdom and I'm wondering if they kind of left that as because he couldn't fly initially, you know he didn't know his abilities and it was almost like he had to be on board with them and had to have his learning moments either physically through tests with his buddy or through some lessons and by this stage he's, he's learnt that he, he has a family that it's not a traditional family his family is not necessarily biological which I think is a really Powerful lesson mm. in a, in a, a family friendly movie as well, the idea that you it 's like it 's not necessarily saying that family is shit, mm. although there was an argument for that in this movie, the biological family, like the bad guys biological he had a family he had a dad and he had a brother, and they were terrible to him yeah um, and then Billy had no one, and the mum the biological mummy goes and finds is I mean, I feel like they did it pretty well. Like you understood why she did what she did, but she was still kind of a bag of shit as far as Billy would be concerned. And then he said, "I've got to go. I've got to go back to my family." And so he had chosen his family to be this this foster family, and I thought it was kind of beautiful. And I thought that mm-hmm, mm-hmm. he'd also, <clears throat> like, even though it was quite a short period of time, he'd earned that. Yeah, yeah. Like um, the movie had earned that. It wasn't like the that love story where uh, Attack of the Clones. Let's go back to that, where it's like. Anakin is this creepy guy who just keeps hounding Padme for a date. Yeah. And then she finally concedes when they're about to be executed. And it's almost like you're sitting next to your stalker on a plane that's about to crash. And they're like, come on, come on, come on. Just give me a kiss. Just give me a kiss. You're like, well, fuck it. We're going to (laughs) die. And then then you do it. And then the plane pulls out of the stall. And you're like, this is awkward. Except they, in Star Wars, went and got married and... Had kids and all that stuff. But, like, they never solved that love story. And they technically had no. two movies because they, they set up the the emotional link on paper, not at all in the movie. In the first movie where they meet and they care for each other. Mm. And then in the second one, there's supposed to be this falling in love. And they've already done the the backstory where, you know, Anakin can't shut up about Padme. He can't stop thinking about her. He's telling Obi-Wan. Obi-Wan's like, you got to bury that shit, bruh. Like, yeah. Uh, you're not supposed to be talking like that. So we already know that he's in love with her. They're not falling in love with each other. Mm. And it's just now, okay, well, when is Padme going to fall in love with him? And you get to the point where she's like, I'm completely smitten or I'm totally infatuated, love, eternal. I don't know. Some massive, not like, like, hey, let's give it a crack maybe, guy. We're about to die. She's like, I'm all in. And then they have that kiss somewhere. Like, they didn't earn that. Like, no. <laughs> there is no part of this that, that works move on to a different kind of love in shazam where it's like that kind of non-romantic familial love and they've kind of been chipping away at him but not in a super invasive way like everyone was just kind of saying we're there for you we're there for you like they have that weird little rhyming prayer thing which uh for dinner over dinner mm-hmm. which ends up being a cool little callback at the end because they have to rhyme whatever the the second last line they rhyme with a new last line every time so there's Plenty of potential for humor and and a nice little movement moment by the end. But I liked how they presented that kind of family. Like they weren't insistent on him doing what he wanted. And then the parents had those little moments where, you know, they didn't get a lot of screen time, but they were like, we're going to give him unconditional love. We ran away plenty of times. That's why we built this place. And it was just sort of like this invitation. And they still set firm boundaries for him. When he fucked up, they let him know. But... He didn't have to join in on that. They didn't force him to do anything he didn't want to do. So no. he had the option to choose it, and it wasn't until he meets his biological mum, where he's like, "This is everything I've wanted, and I've found it." And it's and his extended or well, his new family helped him find it as yeah. well. That he's like, "Oh, yeah, I, I don't have to want this. Mm. I don't want this. Yeah, and I would rather go back to my actual family." I thought that was really quite beautiful, and and so there were there were a lot of a lot of hilarity in the movie, but there were the moments of heart that I felt actually worked for me. That I did, I knew they would be there, but I didn't think they would. I didn't think they would resonate with me in the way that they did.
1: Yeah, yeah, and, and look at the end. You know, you you do see the the you know Billy. You do see the the kid version smiling more. And yeah. You get you know a couple of minutes of him, obviously responding positively to. And trusting more, and trusting the family unit that's been built around him. So you know he he does you know he does smile more, he does joke more. You know, you start to see you know more of a, a character that might respond to you know or, or resonate with Shazam. Like you could see the correlation there. Um, so that's a that's a good. Uh, hint at the growth, like the character growth. has a good what, character arc, yeah. Yeah, um, but yeah, I, I, my argument is just that you know, Shazam Billy is far too slapstick, jovial, jokey man than that kid would ever be you know, in the first two acts of the movie.
0: Yeah, I think that's a fair point. Yeah. Um, while you were talking, I'm thinking about it like going, I'm going to disagree with Katie really hard. And then I'm like, no, no, that's that's actually really fair. And then, like I said, I obviously created my interpretation of how I made it make sense. Now, yeah. for me, it was a solid four Captain Marvels out of five for me. Mm-hmm. Um, I had a lot of fun with it. It was very entertaining. It was better than I expected. Yeah. And I watched a trailer going, I'm looking forward to this movie. Now, I think we mentioned it in the first episode that – um, we had a run of a week where we get to go to movie screenings um, every once in a while. It works out to be usually, let's say, one every week or two weeks. Mm. Before the movie comes out, sometimes it's the night before it comes out, sometimes it's a week before it comes out. We get to go and see movies sometimes, and I used to be the guy who would say yes to everything and just go and see it because it was there as free. I love movies, i got to watch everything, and you end up watching a lot of shit. Mm-hmm. So the, the, the idea of the last week the week before was we were going to have a run of three amazing movies on paper potentially everyone was raving about Pet symmetry, it turned out to be a dud Where everyone was raving about us and it turned out to be divisive as you heard in the last <laughs> episode and then it was like I was feeling pretty bad I'm like oh man I keep taking Katie to these average movies Shazam better deliver and it was one of those days where traffic wasn't great and then finding a park was impossible and then i had to run to the bathroom to go and do a bathroom emergency and then i came out and like looking to run and then some uh, responsible as fuck parent had left their child with Katie to go can you watch my child strange lady while i go and pee and
1: I, I don't look particularly responsible by the way
0: like i'm just well, you clearly do i don't think that if our positions were reversed you. i can't imagine the guy walking up to the bearded man and going Will you watch my daughter? Uh. But the, 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 the funniest part was <laughs> he said, could you watch
1: my kid? And I kind of hesitated because I didn't know how long you'd be in the bathroom yourself. Because the, the thing was is that the dad and the the, the, the boy, that there was like a boy and a girl kid. And the boy kid wanted to go to the toilet, but the girl kid didn't. So he had to take the boy kid to the boy's toilets. And so he left the girl kid with me. And he's like, would you mind watching my kid because she was really like she kept saying oh no daddy don't go like I'm really sad don't do it and I kind of felt I was looking over and I I kind of felt bad and I almost offered but then I thought that's even weirder to just go. Oh, I'll watch your kid for you. So,
0: like, <laughs> totally should have done that. Yeah, exactly like, like that so as well. Like, even
1: as a, you yeah, know, I her. Yeah, like a, like a. It felt weird to do that. So, but I was kind of listening with one ear, I guess you could say. And he eventually came over and he was like, "Hey, would you mind watching uh, my daughter? I, I'll be." you know, five minutes, I've just got to take him to the toilet. And I went, and I kind of hesitated because I did, Like, okay. by this stage minutes had passed and I was like, oh uh, y- yeah, yeah. And I, and I just thought in the back of my mind, I just thought I'm just going to have to stay here regardless because I, it could, I couldn't forgive myself if something happened. Like I'm just going to have to miss the first part of the movie and Nate can go and I'll find him like, okay whatever like um so i sort of went oh yeah okay and then the funniest part was is the dad went if you need to leave that's fine i'm like it's awkward it's not my child (laughs) But, but it's not fine for me to leave as a responsible adult and i'm like i will mind her and no i won't leave until you get back and you she were got very, down on
0: one knee and she put her hand on her chest and swore a, an oath of fealty that was way too long because like, she's like, my, my son's got a piss, man. Like, yeah, and he'd already left up? by this point, yeah. you know. And it but, was really weird when I came back during the middle of that. Um, and, yeah, so in, in Interior Katie's Brain Day, Katie's like, Nathan's going to run away to the movies without me and I'm going to watch this kid forever. Um, exterior reality. I'm like, all right, let's go. And you're like, I've got to watch this kid. <laughs> and I have this story relayed to me. I'm like, this is classic. This is just classic. Us, you know, Mm. uh, all these things go wrong. We've got like 10 minutes before the movie's starting. And this is in uh, Westfield, Bondi Junction, which can only be described as, you know, uh, I think the architect was Escher, M.C. Escher. Uh, I know that from university, I remember very, very few things from my university education because it was garbage. But one of the things I remember from a marketing class, which... Side note, why the fuck was I forced to do marketing as a compulsory subject in a creative writing degree? Fuck you, Macquarie University.
1: Because they were like, you're probably shit, mate. You're going to need a real job.
0: That's exactly what it felt like. They made yeah. also made me do accounting and human resource management as compulsory subjects. Oh, and art history, which had fuck all to do with writing. Waste of time and money. And anyways. I went to the same uni. Just You had I... a better degree, though, from the sounds of things. Mm. Yours was a bit more, like, relevant to yeah. your area of study. Uh, but what they taught us in one of these marketing classes, and I still remember today, strangely, is that they were using the M- Macquarie uh, Westfield, Macquarie Centre, I think it's
1: yeah. called. Yeah, it's not a Westfield, but it's... Oh, it's not anymore, right? Well, it, it never was. No, I'm, it was Macquarie Centre. In Center. my mind, it
0: was always a Westfield.
1: It's not a Westfield ever.
0: Interior, Nathan's mind, exterior, It's exactly reality. the...
1: Westfield is like any other mall... Macquarie Center is also like any other mall, so, yeah.
0: Anyways, Mm. they were saying um, there's a reason why you can't see out. Like, they are designed with a very central sort of spiral staircase logic, to make you go towards the middle to be able to move between levels. Mm -hmm. And then you look to the left or right and you will not be able to see outside because they actually want you to get lost. They don't want you to be able to get your bearings. And they will put things in there like plants. And you'll notice this now, weird little plants and trees. And why is a fucking park bench there? Why isn't it just a seat? Why is it a park bench? And it's this creation of this space that is supposed to feel... Familiar, but also unfamiliar at the same time because they want you to get lost so that you discover new things it's the same reason why at Coles and I used to work at Coles so this is actually true why they will change the layout at your local Coles once every 12 months two years sometimes in a drastic way Hmm. because you're like I've always gone to aisle 5 and found me chips where are me chips and they're like oh it's over in aisle 7 so you walk in a huff to aisle 7 and you get lost on the way and you discover something that you'd never found before or when you go to the place that you first were at you find something different to what you wanted but you look at it for longer looking for your thing and you end up engaging with it more you buy it yeah it's all very manipulative you should basically all have your own gardens grow your own food and never go out but my god that rant bring it back bring it back westfield bondi junction Mm -hmm. uh it turned out that we'd parked in the if you're familiar with westfield bondi junction and i hope you're not and don't ever go there it's a really poorly designed thing that feels like it's two buildings that they've kind of somehow mashed together with a series of intricate bridges that you cannot actually identify as bridges. We were in the wrong part. So we're just like, I'm like, I know this it's up. So we were going up escalators and then we went one way and then the signs were pointing one way and then they stopped pointing towards the cinema and we went the wrong way and we had to turn around and leg it back. And we finally got there with a few minutes to spare before it started, which means all of the best seats are taken. So yep. we're basically sitting up the front. So this was not a good start. Um, after a couple of disappointments in the week to Shazam, but it, it turned out to to be to me more impressive than what I expected from the trailers. I was expecting, I'm like, I'm like you know what? If I laugh half a dozen times, it's going to be okay. Yeah, you know. And I, what I really respected about it was that they didn't go like it was obviously an origin story, but they didn't go full epic scale origin. So you know how like like let's just throw money at it. Mm. Let's Um, make it a $200 million film where we're we're worried about the property so that we just cover up with lots of big special effects and we have massive action set pieces and things like that. It all felt really quite small in its set pieces, even its massive big end set piece at the Christmas winter carnival. Yeah. And what I liked about that was that was the same carnival that Billy got abandoned in. So it's just kind of like... They started to pull things together. Anyways, I really should get on to here's my movie. Mm -hmm. And here is what I would change. Um, I guess kind of linked to what Katie was talking about earlier, the tone stuff is a problem. So I would immediately just simplify it by getting rid of the horror. Let's either create our own thing, and I'm not familiar with Shazam enough to be able to use this, but or find another Shazam uh, villain for him to encounter in his first story that is more in line with the majority of the tone. Now, 80%, 90% of the movie's tone is fun and light and with occasional moments of heart that, for me, worked. Yeah. So that is its own film. And then you've got this horror stuff slapped on that doesn't work. So let's, let's get rid of that. Let's get rid of it immediately. What I would then do is I would make the villain either be his mum or his dad now sounds a little on the nose but this is an origin story and the biggest problem that origin stories have or I mean it's one and the same the first instance of a superhero's story is that the villain tends to be terrible they tend to be unforgettable it's not always the case I mean 1989 Tim Burton's Batman the Joker fantastic but since then you'll find a trend of dud villains. Guardians of the Galaxy, my favourite Marvel movie to date. Terrible villain, played by the amazing Lee Pace, but incredibly forgettable, not fleshed out, two-dimensional. I have hammer, I will smash. Basically like the Hulk of villains. And it's a theme that goes on and on. Ronan is a really crap villain, isn't he? But he's poorly written, right? And usually it's poorly written because... They are so worried about the trajectory of the hero. And, and I think one of the things that has been said and was really solidified with Spider-Man 2 and then The Dark Knight was that the second movie of any superhero story is, is about the villain. And I would take that as because it's compensating uh, from the first movie being all about the, the hero the heroes rise and their arc and their story and how they become who they are and the second movie it's like okay we've got an idea of who this person is now now they're going to be really tested and that's why you know Christopher Nolan saves the Joker for the second movie and used Ra's Ghoul, and Scarecrow who are personal favourite heroes of mine for Batman but they're not very well known to people and he did good stuff with them but they weren't again amazing they weren't amazing villains they weren't particularly well fleshed out but if you go back to Batman Begins he links the, the villain becomes the father figure for Bruce Wayne, and I think that angle works. And so for Shazam, maybe it doesn't have to be his mum, because that might be a bit too on the nose, and you can still have that moment where he gets to meet his mum and his disappointment, but he doesn't really know that the dad is in prison or something like that. Maybe it turns out that it's the dad, and then and then you've got that kind of emotional stake. Mm. And the villain becomes more interesting purely by being related, because there's an implied backstory of abandonment and things like that. Um, And I think then you would be able to get rid of, well, not just by getting rid of the darkness, which I've suggested earlier, you would be able to get rid of certain scenes of villain building that would then lead to scenes that on repeat viewings would allow you to have this greater understanding with some clever subtext dialogue that maybe this villain is searching for Billy but, like, we don't know that straight away. Like, he's, or maybe they're searching, well, they are searching for the same thing. I like that idea that they were both after the same thing. But yeah. what they're really after in searching for the same thing, which for Billy is just like, he doesn't want to, he wants to find his parents or his mom. And he wants to find a place that he belongs. He wants to find a purpose. So he finds that in the shazam character but the villain is actually searching for shazam he's not searching for meaning and then finds it but they're both really hunting the same thing and then their paths cross having found something they both want but then there's also these emotional stakes because the villain uh, and i love mark strong mark strong is one of my favorite most favorite underrated actors um One of those, that guy, I'm sure, for a lot of people, um, (laughs) because I'm sure he's not a household name, uh, even though he should be. But he felt quite secondary to everything. He was tacked on. He was there because, like in a Superman movie, and this is why Superman Returns didn't work. And it was Kevin Smith, full credit where it's due, who pointed out the biggest problem of Superman Returns was that Superman never throws a punch. Superman never throws a punch because he doesn't have anyone that he can punch because all of his uh, threats of the villains are human. Yeah. That's why Man of Steel was honestly, in terms of a cinema, the first time that I became interested in Superman. And it's, it's a flawed movie. It's not perfect by any stretch of the imagination. But for me, I was interested in Superman um, and part of that was because I got to see him fighting someone who was actually on like better than him because he's like a general from the same planet so military trained but someone who he can actually fight because you've got all this power there's no point in not having someone to show that power to the audience with mm. if Superman is only ever fighting humans bank robbers He's not really going to his full potential. And I think in the comics he even talks about how hard he pulls his punches when he does like push over a, you know, a bad guy, a human bad guy. Because if he pushed him at full strength, his hand goes through their chest yeah. and he kills them. So he learns to pull his punches. But when you put him up against someone who can actually fight him, and as an aside, far be it for me to do a tangent within a tangent, um, Superman sh- sh would never have been created today as a hero Superman makes a fantastic villain because there is so little that hurts him, but he makes a terrible hero because unless someone has kryptonite, there's nothing to threaten him with. It's yeah. it's like North Korea, you know. <laughs> North Korea yelling about I'm am gonna do this, I'm gonna do that, and everyone's just like, yeah, okay, yeah. It's like the you know the the tantrum t- uh, two year old having a hissy fit, and you just wait for them to run out of breath mm. and then they go to sleep like it's that it's like okay yeah sure you're you're threatening and you hate me and you're throwing toys at me yeah yeah okay buddy and then they get tired and they go to sleep because nobody respects them as a threat because they're not mm. um so yeah i think Shazam's they had the right idea in that they had a villain who Shazam could fight so as he learns his powers. There's actually someone who can hit him and make him bleed and stuff like that. Yeah. But I think the double punch would have been someone who he has an emotional connection with or or baggage with. So there's some feeling in those fights. And, and also the fact that Mark Strong's character survives. Like if this particular hero or this particular villain, rather, um, survives and is linked to Billy... Then we actually want to know more about them. I mean, we had the first stinger in Shazam is a stinger that shows that Mark Strong's character is still alive and then he's talking to a fucking grasshopper. Mm. Which is just... What the fuck? Anyways. I mean, I'll watch it because I had fun, but it was not an effective stinger for me. It was like... That was pure nerd fan service because I had to look it up. And it's like, oh yeah, he's this big deal in Shazam right now. I'm like... He seems like a really lame... Like, I, was, I saw that I'm like, that's lame. Like, that's a... That's comedy, but they haven't played it as comedy?
1: No, no, it's played as a very serious... Yeah,
0: but it's laughable. Like,
1: here is a man, a broken man with terrible mental illness that's a danger to himself and others. Yeah. Like, that's there's nothing funny <laughs> about any of that
0: at all. But if that broken man had been his father... Yeah. And, again, terrible mental illness, like, yeah. scarred... Yeah. Like, that would have been sad, and you would yeah. have had this moment of, like, oh, that's Billy's dad. Mm-hmm. Again, it's super top level and in many ways it's cliche or whatever but I think that that would have helped to lift that. and it doesn't have to play out cliche I mean look at something like Spider-Man Homecoming and then pause it go watch it if you haven't already but that revelation halfway through the movie maybe end of the second act where you learn that um, Michael Keaton's character is the father of the girl that Peter Parker's sweet on Hmm. That's an awesome revelation. And that adds a whole lot more stakes yep. to that movie. Because it it makes teenage angst of like, I'm meeting my girlfriend's dad for the first time. That must be scary. And then it's like, BAM! He's the villain. Like, what? Like it's awesome. And they that in a comic book sense, or in even a comic book movie sense is probably pretty cliche these days. Oh, they're linked. Oh, it was my dad all along. You know, like that thing. But there is a way to do it and that makes it effective. Just yeah. because we've seen it before doesn't have to make it cliche. Uh, and the other change I would make is, I guess, pretty minor in the grander scheme of things, and I teased about it earlier, but the final stinger that we sat around to the end of the credits, and if for some reason you haven't seen it and you're listening to this whole fucking rant and you want to go watch Shazam now, don't stay for the final stinger. Uh, just go watch the TV spots which are like mini trailers 30 second trailers that they release just as a movie comes out or just before a movie comes out because one of them seriously is that stinger Mm. the Aquaman gag and it's just a gag and I think the gag like uh, when Deadpool does it and you get to the end of the original Deadpool and it's him in his Deadpool costume with like a a, robe. Like a bathrobe on yeah. going, what are you still doing here? Like, that is awesome because he's taking the piss out of you, he's taking the piss out of the whole stinger culture and superhero movies now, where we expect to like, we laugh at the people that walk out when the credits roll, I'm like, you fools you're gonna miss at least two stingers or one stinger when I got to the end of Shazam and that stinger happened, I'm like that joke wasn't big enough for me to feel that I should have stayed. Yeah. And there yeah. was no revelation. So, therefore, it wasn't even a tease of anything. It was just, like, a scene that could have been in a movie. It could have been part of the montage. You know, when they're doing the montage of, he's like, what, what can you do? And he's like, I don't know. What can I do? And then they go and test these different things. It's a fantastic scene. Yeah. They could have organically included that in there, and it would have worked. And it was only about 30 seconds, so it wouldn't have really blown out the running time. No, no, no. And it was an okay joke, and it would have been a better joke when it was supported by all of that other stuff. But, yeah, I would have deleted the fuck out of that. And I would have done a black Adam tease because uh, Dwayne Johnson... It's 2019. We just call him Adam. Just call him Adam. (laughs) But uh, for the nerds out there, and it's amazing how... (laughs) You can be a nerd of um, DC or Marvel movies without being a nerd of the the comics that spawned them. Well, Black Adam is, as far as I'm aware, one of Shazam's biggest threats. Mm-hmm. And uh, for the longest time, The Rock has been signed on to play Black Adam. And I believe he's doing a standalone movie that's supposed to come out in a year or two. Uh, and he was a producer mm-hmm. on Shazam. So I was hanging out for some sort of stinger that had him in it. And it didn't happen, and I was like, oh, is that not happening anymore? And I had to go to Google to find out that it is still happening, mm. but they didn't want to shoot anything, rah, blah, 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 who cares? Uh, yeah. But I had fun.
1: Yeah, yeah. And, you know, I think the main difference, and this is, it's interesting because I think the main difference between our proposed movies with Shazam is that you would lean and you'd remove all the horror. Yeah, um, and you'd keep it. Well, yeah, because, like, I mean, here's the thing, though, is so I believe that, you know, there's a stark contrast between Tony Stark, child, yeah, child Billy and superhero Billy yeah. Shazam, um, you know, and I would have liked to have seen him more sullen, you know, more of a chip on his shoulder, uh, less happy-go-lucky jovial you know, s- 1970s Saturday morning super dude, um and sort of lean into the the darker aspects of the of the kid's personality and state of mind um at the time. However, which allows you to keep Which the, which allows you to keep the, a darker the, tone. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And when I when I go to a DC film, I want the darkness. Oh, I mean okay. Um this is controversial, um, but I think I I believe that people uh, take the the Marvel Cinematic Universe and make it compete with the DC universe, yeah, and is. you, and then you choose your side. So obviously, there's more Marvel people because the movies, in general there are there are more of them, and they're of better quality usually. Um, I'm I'm thoroughly a DC person, um, so. Uh, for the movies? No. Right. No, not for the movies, just for the the DC, like DC as a as a comic book oh, house yeah. and for its characters and its franchises, I'm far more drawn to those darker, more melancholic style comics. Um, you know, like The Killing Joke is probably my yeah. favorite is probably my favorite comic of right. all time. Uh that's a, a Batman comic. You know, you probably got that impression already. Um, but it's...
0: They, I thought it was a Shazam comic. Oh,
1: fuck. Don't. <laughs> um, but see, so I, I, I like that gritty, dark world that a lot of the DC characters exist in. Um, and that's what I find interesting. And, you know, Batman is the greatest detective and, you know, killing bad guys or not killing sorry like sol- solving crimes by bad guys and um you know beating up people that cause harm in a world that's already difficult you know that sort of resonates with me um you know and and and, and superman is a uh, you know an, an atomic period piece just like you know when i say atomic you know like the kind of the style that you saw like the incredibles 2 you know that uh you know it's very superman and it's very uh you know fallout you know it speaks to a a time period where you know appliances were a certain shape and things were you know if you if you look up look up atomic atomic era on ebay and you'll see things that look like they belong in a superman comic or a uh, you know, or the Incredibles too, and it's it's really cool and it's really quirky and that kind of I don't know it it gives me a special
0: sort of nostalgic feeling. And he I, wasn't know. dark; Superman was always hope, and that's why they contrasted so well because.
1: But he kind of existed in a in a a lot of the storylines are still quite dark. I feel like okay, I mean, I'm, he, I'm
0: not overly familiar with Superman stuff.
1: Um, uh, you know, I, I guess Superman's kind of hit and miss. For me, um, generally, um, because he's he's obviously the shining beacon of hope. Yeah. Um, always. And he always wins. Yeah. There are very few situations where you think Superman can't get out of them.
0: How good was Red Sun, though?
1: Oh, my God. Red Sun's so
0: good. Like, I wish they'd make it. They won't. But I wish they would. Oh, it's they, a, they've, but they've set them up so they can.
1: So, so th- there's the killing joke and then there's Red Sun, like Red Sun Wonder Woman is just fucking incredible red
0: sun Batman's pretty cool too
1: Red Sun Batman is insane, and then there's red Sun Superman that's just awesome the best Superman ever like and it because he's so dangerous
0: yeah he's that Superman is a bad guy
1: oh my God, he is so so dangerous, and that is like the movies uh, like if there was a midnight screening I would, I'd be going to the Red Sun movies like I'm the biggest, biggest fan of, of, of the Red Sun idea and it, it's, it's just mind-blowingly incredible to me um, that whole, that whole uh, spin-off of Batman, Superman uh, Wonder Woman, all the rest it's of very it clever. very clever, so, 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 so clever, and I won't spoil it for you, I suggest you just go look it up, because I want you to have the same reaction that
0: I did you did the pitch though
1: well, okay. So the, the the pitch is I'm not going to go into Batman or Wonder no, Woman, no, no, no. but, the, but the the pitch, the top level pitch, the, the top level pitch for Red Sun is, what if Superman's capsule had crash landed in Russia instead of the USA?
0: And that's it. And I reckon that that would have been how Mark Miller, top of my head, um, pitched the comic. And that and th- they would have signed off on it. I would have if I owned Superman, I would have signed off on it. I'm like that is fascinating. I want to see the answer to that.
1: Yeah, yeah, yeah. And like it, it for me it's 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 the best idea. Like it's so good. But um I guess yeah, like Superman always like the original Superman always existed as the 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 savior of everything despite a dark world. Like Metropolis for me is is a far more functional society than Gotham appears to be oh, yeah. but it's still not perfect it's 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 wartime it's struggle like superman is a, is a wartime savior at the end of the day um you know world war <laughs> like you know between world wars but you know it's he's still very much a product of
0: of american hope an idealized version of good guy america.
1: Yeah, yeah, yeah. And you know, for, for me that I mean, there's there's still a darkness about Metropolis and he might be an all-shining good guy, but you know, the even just the way it's drawn in the comics and the other characters and 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 his main villains, DC is is quite dark compared to Marvel and that's that's how I like it. That's how I like my comics to be. I like the more violent, thrilling, like even bordering on horror side of things when it comes to comics. Um, that doesn't mean that I don't appreciate Marvel. There are plenty of Marvel characters that I absolutely love. Um, I followed X-Men comics for a long, 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 long time. I haven't for a while if I'm honest, but, um, it's like there, I, I'm happy to see any superhero thing ever really, Um, but yeah, my, my preference is DC, but getting back to, to our contrast between the movies that we would make, yeah, making Shazam that more, uh, dark personality that you see in his teen self does allow you to keep some of the horror in. I still think the extremes are a bit much. Um, but if I'm honest with myself, it works to make the whole thing lighter than darker. You know, because at the end of the day, he's a campy kind of '70s character, born in that era where it was probably competing with, you know, the Batman TV series and all that kind of stuff.
0: I got no idea.
1: Or, or, or at least trying to piggyback on the audience of, yeah. of that kind of thing. So, for me, I think if they made it too dark, it'd be kind of a crap film. So, I, th- I would much rather see. It all light rather than darkness with glimmers of light because I think that I think that would probably be more boring. Um, you know, I'd rather see it more as a you know a fun, funny and light family film than go, than try and be too DC if that makes sense, which is leaning into the darkness a bit more. So I, I think that I like even though the things I would change are different to you in coming full circle in this conversation, I think yours makes a better film.
0: Well, I think Yeah, I mean in my mind it's never been the intention to, to like then then go now rate my film versus no, 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 your no, film. No, it's, I know, it's just but... this idea of like this is perfect because you're talking about a different movie that you would make and and you would go and make that movie and i'd be like that sounds interesting that i, I would i would want to watch that movie and then i've pitched a movie that i would hope you were like okay that's different that's interesting and and it's just this idea that give people an idea or give people a problem that they have with a movie or maybe a lot of problems with a movie and what would you do to fix it and I find that that's where the interesting conversation happens. It's not It's not that, that moment where you have, like, Prometheus. Like, I can talk to you about Prometheus and our friends, and we can sit down at a party and when Prometheus... We've got friends. We've got friends. Friends. This is more friends than we were talking about before. It's the same ones. Um, and it becomes this, in the end, like, very quickly it becomes a circle jerk. Mm-hmm. It becomes, yeah, and this bit sucked, and that bit sucked, and nobody's disagreeing on what sucked. And there's not a lot of... Value in that conversation outside of common ground. Mm. Whereas when it's like, okay, so how would you change it? I don't think you would then go around in a circle. And if you said everyone speak at the same time, there's 10 people, that's right, we've got eight friends at least, uh, they would say the exact same thing. No. You'd have very different ideas of how people would fix what they had problems with. Mm-hmm,
1: mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. And uh, yeah, I think that's um, that's sort of what we're getting at here is that, you know, given the opportunity, everybody would have a different story to tell. And that's what
0: we want to hear. Yeah, and that's the, the whole point. We want to. We want yeah. We'll use that, that email address. Hello at heresmymovie.com.au. au.
1: No, no, I didn't buy the au domain because
0: we are international. All... There's all these regulations around doing so, and I just can't be fucked. You know? We're a dot-com site. Yeah. It makes us more legit. We might even be American. Putting on Australian, or in my case, mid-Atlantic accent, <laughs> you're welcome.
1: <laughs> um, I should inform you all that uh, we used the Anchor app, which distributes our podcasts to multiple platforms. Um, So we're on Apple Podcasts. You fuckers finally approved us. (laughs) You took the longest out of everybody, just so you know. Um, Apple Podcasts, so iTunes. Google Podcasts, you can find us as well. Uh, You can find us on Stitcher Radio. You can find us on... uh, What's that other fucking thing? SoundCloud? SoundCloud, yeah, yeah. Uh, That is not part of the deal Ah. uh, with... Um, what's a Face, Anchor, cool. but it is one of them. You can find us on Spotify. find us everywhere. Everywhere, like absolutely everywhere. Um, uh, yeah, so there's a whole list of crap, you know, uh, uh, Pocket Casts. That's actually the app that I use um, myself on my phone for the million podcasts that I follow. Uh, so there's a whole bunch of shit that you can catch us on. Uh, check out the website for the full list. I'll update that. Um, but, yeah, it's uh, it's been an honour and we hope that we've stimulated your thoughts around the films that you know and love. To be uh, fair, we're not always going to be doing films that have just come out. Um, there is a whole bunch of back catalogue older films that we'd love to to revisit. We have a list. Yeah, we do. We've got a spreadsheet. Mm, um, a Google sheet. Yeah, yeah. Um and it's it's really it's gonna be really cool for for us personally, I think to to delve into some films that um, one of us you know either loves a lot and the other one likes but is not so crazy about um, or films that we both dislike um, or just just films that have you know already had their run, they're considered classics or they're considered terrible uh just universally it'd be really good to revisit those and we'd encourage you to um maybe give them a rewatch yourself uh maybe even after hearing us or whatever and give us your own take on on what you think is good or bad about those uh particular things but just to give you a taste of what's coming up i mean we're uh for reasons that are unknown to me we're going to revisit prometheus
0: yes no. Let's tell people briefly why. Okay. With this one specifically. Um, there's an idea, like, here's my movie. We've, we've done two episodes so far. It's been kind of similar. We've taken movies that we didn't hate that we either thought were better than average or just above average or even great in, mm-hmm. the, in the instance of Shazam, and we've suggested what would amount to effectively improvements. Now, something like Prometheus, um, which I – did not enjoy. Um, I actually recently went back and read the original script for that. So with what I want to do is not always have, here's my movie be suggestions of minor alterations and things like that. I want that concept to kind of encompass other ideas bigger ideas here was the pitch for the original movie mm-hmm. and here's what changed here's someone else's movie just things like that like really playing around with the idea of the of the the, the concept the top level concept of this show uh, so that will be one instance of that and also I've, I've only seen it once
1: I wanted to revisit
0: it I've got it in 4K I think I couldn't bring myself to spend money on it so when mum was like what do you want for Christmas I was like just get me Prometheus like I've wanted to watch it I feel kind of guilty I don't want to pay for it I don't want to support them directly so um, yeah you buy it for me and then that way I won't feel bad and so I've got it in 4K and it should look beautiful Mm -hmm. but I'm sure it will still disappoint me in the same or maybe even bigger better ways
1: yeah, um, but I, I am looking forward to revisiting it because the the initial viewing was, you know, there's a lot of elements that just make it a total turd. But I'll be, I haven't really thought about how I'd change it, so um, that's something to think about for a future episode. So, you know, we're doing Prometheus, we're doing Blade Runner, much to my ho- pardon me, much to my horror. Oh, you want
0: to do that? My little note was like, only I, if you want to do that. <laughs> I don't want to, but we Well, should. we won't do it then. No, no.
1: Uh, I want to because, you know, like many things in life, you revisit them and you see that perhaps they worked in a certain period of your life and, you know,
0: retrospectively not so much. Or potential spoilers for Katie. It might be, here's my movie. It's called Blade Runner and you can go see it right now. And fuck you, Nathan. What do you know? Like yeah. that might be it.
1: Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, look, and I'll always it'll always have a soft spot in my heart. Like there is nothing that will change that.
0: But um And I'm in the minority. I'm I'm the bad guy in that equation, so
1: No, no. I think that it's it's important to look at them critically, especially after a, a long
0: time. So maybe then we should go tit for tat then. Okay. So if I do that to one of yours and I. We my, have to do Braveheart. Don't have problems with Braveheart so I'm going to be upset if you have from the Braveheart And yes I guess we have to do Braveheart
1: yep um, yeah so there, there's, there's a whole bunch of stuff that we want to revisit um, we encourage you to give us some ideas or if, you, if there's something that you really love that you think is perfect shout it out especially let if, us know
0: especially if it's controversial especially if you're the only person in the world who thinks it's perfect
1: yeah because
0: we' we don 't want to dedicate an entire episode to something that we both love and we don 't have many changes for that 's why you won 't hear a predator episode as I referenced in the last one, because there was one change mm. and that 's it it 's all I want to change about predator and and, and and you know unless katie was like no i 've got like fifteen thousand changes I want to make. We would never dedicate an episode to something that we both agree. It's fantastic, and
1: no, like we'd be talking about one or two small things, and that would, just and feel, that's just a shit episode. What is so. the
0: point? We've already made a note of something like thirty, forty um, movies, and that, and that's back catalogue. That doesn't take into account the movies that we will see throughout this year.
1: Yeah, you know, um, and it's uh, yeah, it, it's really interesting, just. From my perspective, to go through and and really have to think about more than just a you know ah I didn't like it because the soundtrack sucked or you know so and so really phoned in their performance like uh, we want to sort of stretch beyond that and it's like you 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 put your money where your mouth is and you're like this is what i do differently so
0: constructive criticism like what you don't get in the workplace when someone says that shit and you're like yeah. that's not constructive. <laughs> why why I would you I, I, change? Ju- I just didn't like it yeah oh cool it's just not for me um I can't work with that
1: no and you're not an entire audience yeah so blow it out your ass
0: so we're going beyond that you're welcome
1: yeah um anyway catch us on here's my movie.com I'll eventually set up social profiles that will inevitably be neglected but I will set them up and we will catch you at some other time next week
0: before I say goodbye I just want to give a a shout out to the amazing Ray Bannerman for our art which absolutely I understand from SoundCloud initially was not the best depiction of it but he did fantastic art for us um and he's a big fan of of ours and he is the reason that we get to go and see movies um ahead of time so thank you to Ray thank
1: you Ray we love you
0: and definitely check out movie weekly on Facebook Yes. If you want to support Ray as well, and you should.
1: Totally. Thank you and good night.
0: Thank you and good night.